Hi, I'm Caitlin McDermott. I'm the APP Administrator, and you're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast. The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, I'm back from Las Vegas. I still don't think my voice is fully recovered from being out in the desert for a week, but we'll see how we get through the show. I just want to say a huge thank you to all the vendors and sponsors, all the volunteers and all the instructors for making the week such a great success. I had some time to get a couple of good interviews in. I think you'll be excited to see my guests over the next few weeks. And I'm here with Jim Ward. Terry Leroy from Leroy Incorporated. Hi, I'm Luis Garcia. It's Sampa von Seiburg here. Hi, my name is Elaine Angel. I'm the author of The Piercing Bible. But first up this week will be my good friend Jesse V from Ontario. Always a good time talking with Jesse, and I hope you enjoy the interview. So, I, you know, typically I would say that alcohol shouldn't be involved when you're recording a professional program, but we like wine, so we're going to have a little bit of wine yes, as we please. talk. So, uh, I, I'm so. sure by now you know that I'm Ryan Willett. I pierce at Precision Body Arts in Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, we're at the APP conference in Las Vegas. I am on the APP board of directors currently as the outreach liaison, and uh, having a chat with me is my buddy Jesse. Yeah, I'm Jesse uh, Villamere from Ontario, Canada. I own Thrive Studios. Been coming to conference now for about 13 years and uh, teaching the sterilization workshop this year again. Been doing that for a few years. So we're going to have a couple different conversations over a couple different cups of wine, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. It's always weird like starting start, the conversation. Starting, starting, and then it's because we're looking at this too. You got to pretend we're just like hanging out. Yeah, well, we're we just have, we're just we hanging have, out, man. We're eating some bananas. We're eating some we're bananas some and we're wine. drinking some wine, and we're just talking as humans do. That's right. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, so we're we're in Las Vegas. Uh, we're at the Association of Professional Piercers conference. How many how many years have you been coming? I to think this? this is my thirteenth year coming 13th to this year. in a year in a row. Yeah, I didn't skip any. My first uh, year was two thousand two, and I think I skipped two thousand three, mm-hmm. and then I've been coming since two thousand four. You regretted it. I, I totally one, regretted right? skipping that one. Yeah, because like the, the first the first year it was a huge deal for me to get out here and come to conference, and then the, the second year I was like, well, I've been before, and then. When I, when I decided to stay home at my shop, I saw everybody posting on, like, I am at the time. And I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm missing out on so much. Right. And it's like, I, I have to prioritize it, you know. So I've been really fortunate with my shop where I haven't had to be closed for, for any of that mm-hmm. time. You know, maybe a, a little bit, like, at, at the very, very beginning. But, you know, then I had lots of people that were covering and other, other piercers came on eventually. So, you know, we don't have to really step back. So we, we can prioritize it and come to conference. You know, but I, I, love, I wouldn't miss it anymore. I love that. Every year that I come, and it's been 13 years, people would be like, how much more can you learn about piercing? There's so much to learn about piercing. People that have been doing it for so long, every time I meet somebody new, and what's great too is a lot of the times it's apprentices Mm -hmm. that we're learning stuff from, just by random chats in the hallways, even not even in class, but it's been great. The people, the connections that we meet, 
the stuff that we learn outside of class in class is great and there's so many new instructors now for me like the big dynamic that's that's shifted for me is it used to be all about taking classes uh, that's where all my education came from and now it's almost exclusively just it's the talks you have it's in networking network. classes yeah it's the networking, the networking talking with people like at the bar or just like hanging out waiting mm-hmm. waiting for a class to start chatting with people I've, that's really like my, my main draw for, for conference now. The other thing is too is it doesn't end here at conference yeah. anymore. Remember yeah. back in the day, yeah. it seemed like, oh man, you have to wait, you have to wait until the next year. year. Yeah, now, now it's, it's like online. Facebook now. and mm-hmm. you know, you're talking with everybody on, yeah. on you know texting and, and forums, especially on Facebook. Right. Are you active in any of those forums? Uh, I used to be more active in the forums than yeah. I have been recently, but yeah. they still pop up in my feed every once in a while. Yeah. Kind of be, uh, I'll listen in, look at a few things, but yeah. not so much as active as I so I should be probably. So you and I have have had like a pretty sharp growth in, in how we've been teaching. Like, do you remember the first year that we did the it, workshops? What year it was? I remember being so nervous uh, when we were approached to do that. I think you presented it to the board, did you not? Yeah, well, because a lot of the classes related to what we do, you know, we're, we're kind of like the safe practices people. You know, you talk about how to work safe in the sterilization room and I talk about how to work safe in the, the piercing room. For a long time, those classes were all lecture-based, slideshow-based. You know, it was a little bit dry. You know, you could you could get the information. If you weren't familiar with those practices, then it, it makes it tough because you have to imagine certain things right. in the shops. I, I submitted the proposal to, to make it a more hands-on kind of environment, you know, and then the workshops grew out of that. And, you know, a couple stumbles in, in the beginning. Uh, and then I think we, we really started to come into our own as, mm-hmm. as instructors through that. It's cool because it's grown so much. I remember when it was just back to back and we were rushing 45 minutes yeah. each and then we'd switch sides. Yeah, and we had to like shout over each now other. Now we have our own classes, our own yeah. like it's separate. I think it really needs it. And I, and I still, I love hearing the feedback at the end of it. It's very important, the yeah. stuff that we're getting across. But yeah. It, it's, you know what, these are the classes that I wish we had actually in the very beginning mm-hmm. because there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that we share in here and it's day-to-day stuff that we do in our studios yeah. all the time. So it's very important. Not to say that any of the other classes aren't important by any means, I think there's obviously every class has its own growth right? yeah. like that you're going to get from it. But well, I, people, I, people learn in different ways. Yeah. So I think the people that are more visual learners really take to the workshops and it's, it's so much easier, especially when you're talking about like something as simple as like how to put on PPE, how to put on gloves, how to disinfect a work surface. It's mm-hmm. so much easier to just be like, this is how you do it and then show them with, exactly. with a demonstration or you can bring somebody up and have them try it. You can critique different things. People yeah. can like ask questions live like while you're doing something. And I, I think for a lot of people, it just made it made a, a much faster impact on their learning. I think one of my favorite things doing in the class is not to make it intimidating. It is very intimidating at first when you're in a class with a, a large group of piercers. Nobody knows where they kind of fit on the scale of <laughs> like being a piercer. Yeah. Are they great? Are they not great? Are they going to ask a stupid question or whatnot? I find that uh, in these little workshops and that we kind of built from there and then it's growing, people kind of let their guard down and everybody's mm-hmm. there to help one another. I yeah. that it was kind of great too is having other people in the class kind of take on some of those answers as well. That's one of my favorite things going back and forth, you know, because some years you'll get somebody who's really engaged and they really want to share, but, you know, people aren't judging them for it, you know, especially if they say something that's, you know, maybe not like cutting edge information, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. Like nobody's shooting them down. They're saying, oh, well, you know, we're doing this. And then we can throw in that little bit of like, well, this is the APP's perspective on, on what we would suggest you do. But, you know, your idea sounds good and your idea sounds good because it works for your studio. Right. It's exciting. 
Yeah, I, I like it. I, you know, I sometimes I, I start to think there'll there'll be a point where you and I might have to step back from the workshops and hand it over to someone else because you know I, I'm sure there'll be a point where we're not as forward thinking as as we should be. You know, and it's important to kind of Always hand over to that growth. I yeah, believe in that, that next generation. You know, but I, I think we're doing a pretty good job of expanding information every year, so it's not stagnant. I hope so. This year I'm doing something a little bit differently with the sterilization class. It is going into more of a PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. form versus that. Like standing at the front of the room and trying to set up a sterilization room. I believe like more so in your side, like the piercing hands-on. Yeah. It's easier to do that kind of hands-on approach. I thought about making some videos this year in my studio, but you know, I thought it would, it would be almost too biased because that would be how I do it in my studio. Right. And if people don't have the same resources available, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have a hand washing sink right in my room and, and some piercers don't have that, right. you know, and everything is, is to APP spec and some piercers might not have that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to make it intimidating, trying to make it seem like, you know, if you don't have this studio that took me 16 years to, to work towards, you know, you're, you're doing it incorrectly. I don't want anybody to ever get that feeling. I find that intimidation versus um, admiration. I, I feel like some people are might be intimidated, but I think they should more or less be inspired to get to that standard yeah because that's how that's how my studio came to be and i'm I'm sure that's how your studio came to be i like that we both challenge each other throughout the years yeah going to each other's studios and i can't stress that enough like to piercers go out to other studios see how they're doing it yeah because uh, my my studio is like a ripoff of a bunch of your your elements in your studio done the same thing with everybody's studio including yours yeah and i remember you coming into my studio the one time and just looking at it and i was complaining about something i don't even remember what maybe it was because people kept putting my uh, like their purse on my garbage or something like this. Mm-hmm. And you just said, well, why don't you move this to here, move this to here. And it just kind of all worked out just by a simple, yeah. another set of eyes walking into your studio. Yeah, workflow. Right, yeah. exactly. That, that's a great thing because I love talking about flow. people it's, come in and they say like, you know, oh, well, why do you have this here? And then I explain the, the pattern that I work in, you know, because I used to go, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth and a lot of wasted steps. And now it's just kind of like, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. You know, everything is just kind of in, in a flow now. It's not even the flow within your piercing room, just in your studio. I don't think people realize when people walk in your studio, they know if they're going to spend money there, usually within the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, if it's not set up comfortably and you walk in and they're lost, they don't know where to go, kind of pay attention to where people are going. Are they coming into your studio turning right? Are they turning left? Do you have all your jewelry set up on the wrong side of the room if they're mm-hmm. all turning right and you have all your jewelry to the left yeah. well, you might be missing something here. i tried to i you know i i had opportunity to be able to build my studio from the ground up so i could have all the, the foot traffic directed exactly where i want yeah. and i i set my display cases right in that that traffic pattern and all that so it works really well for me but in like some of my my earlier studios i it was totally counterintuitive mm-hmm. and it was the same thing i was having to work against where they wanted to naturally go and you know now i look back and i see like well okay yeah if, if i move the display case to the other side of the the lobby and, and all this and that but it helps you know, with your sales that's right, right away. away oh yeah absolutely boost sales right away yeah just by moving stuff around we we've also grown a lot as instructors outside of the app you know i i know that you guys you and ethics have just been killing it. Yeah, if anybody doesn't know, um, we started uh, Progressive Mentorship back in 2014. And uh, what that is, is just um, basically teaching the industry in regards to bloodborne pathogens, infection control, sterilization workshops, uh, piercing workshops as well. Trying to bring in more of the tattoo related stuff right Mm -hmm. now. I have some ideas with that, which is great up in Ontario, but it's been growing quite a bit uh, north of the border. And 
you've submitted quite a bit of stuff when it comes to the ear cartilage workshop as well. Yeah, I, I feel like my strength is more in like the technique-based stuff, right. you know. So I've been doing my seminars at the Boston Tattoo Convention, but, you know, I've been doing a lot of like international conferences. So I'm starting mm-hmm. to, to really get a feel for, you know, what, what certain markets lack as far as educational opportunities, you know. So I, I really like to try to stay as diverse as possible. I try not to focus too much on just my area or my perspective. I, I try to teach to more of an international perspective. That's amazing because instructing is a passion of mine. It's, and I can see it's an, a passion of yours. It's I a love passion it. of you fix as yeah. well in Quebec, you know, in Quebec city, in Quebec at all, there's never been anybody to instruct them in mm-hmm. their language. Yeah. So as soon as he fixed, uh, took the progressive mentorship course and converted it, we're the first bilingual course that there that has ever existed. Yeah. So the numbers that come out to these courses in Montreal and Quebec, it's unbelievable. And the feedback has been great too. The, the big thing that I would, I would love to see is, you know, more homegrown talent for instructing. Uh, like, like as an example, uh, you know, you guys have it nailed for Canada, but you know, I've done, I've done conferences in Mexico, in the UK, in Germany. I'm teaching in Brazil next month. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. But a lot of those conferences have uh, United States instructors from the APP. And, you know, I think it's really important for those those areas to start developing their own confident in, instructors, especially in native languages. You know, like the LBP conference in Mexico is a great example because they have a lot of Spanish-speaking instructors. The Brazilian conference is going to have Portuguese instructors. The UK uh, group, they're actually starting to have UK piercers shadowing the US piercers mm-hmm. so that they're, they're building up their own That's internal great. talent for, for future seminars, which is awesome. I, I would really like to start trying to focus more in, in my area because one of the one of the regions that I hardly ever teach in is, your own. is my own. Yeah. yeah, I teach at the Boston one, but that's just once a year. And I would really like to do something more regular like, like what you guys are doing. Whereas you know? I'm mainly in my own province. Yeah, so just yeah. Just teaching mainly there and going to the East Coast a little bit more. I'm hoping to get to the West Coast this year as well. Mm-hmm. But it, it's been growing quite a bit. The feed, like I said, the feedback's been great. But instructing's hard because it's not something that I feel everybody's got that act for. Like, yeah, it's nervous. You know, it, like it, a it lot takes, of people say, it's one of the scariest things to do is stand it up is. in front of a group yeah. and just talk. It takes a certain kind of comfort level, a certain kind of confidence, uh, and a certain kind of a cadence. You know, if you're, you know, if you're really knowledgeable, but you can't relate that information to the people in the class, they're, they're not going to learn. So it doesn't matter how good you are if you can't express that information. I completely agree. We've all been in classes. Nobody wants to sit in a class. Yeah. One of the most boring subjects I remember is, is yeah, bloodborne pathogens. Like nobody wants to sit through a course. It's one of the biggest complaints that I have. Some people, they feel like they're forced to take the course. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone, though, at the end of it is like, oh, my God, I learned something. And they, that's what feels good. And well, how, how long are your, your classes for that, too? They're, uh, they're I do five-hour right? classes yeah. right, with, a lunch, with the lunch break. Yeah. Five-hour actual te- uh, teaching time. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at it, I don't teach it. It's not like focus on bloodborne pathogens and scare tactics and all this. Yeah. Whereas if you don't – think about this. If you didn't know anything about bloodborne pathogens, if I said to anybody out there – it could be a kid – would you like hepatitis? Yeah. It's just the word hepatitis. Yeah. Would you like it? People would be like, hell no. Well, thank Most you. people, no, I don't think I want that, yeah. right? I don't think I do. But so instead of focusing on, I mean, I do focus on what hepatitis is, but instead of focusing too much on that, I focus on all the things, how not to get it, mm-hmm. right? So turning the classes around into the stuff that we do in our day-to-day lives, like in our shops every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't see hepatitis every single day. Yeah. We don't see it. Yeah. We don't see HIV. We don't mm-hmm. see MRSA. Uh, but if we can focus on how 
to protect ourselves and yeah. protect our clients from not getting prevention rather than exactly. treatment. Yeah. So I feel like that's the approach I'm going with, and uh, it's been definitely positive. Yeah. Um, it's not more. Well, the the big the, the big difference that I see with your classes is when when there are pictures of the attendees, they're all smiling and they're all like laughing and they're all engaged. <laughs> if you because it's it's fun yeah. for them. You know, it's, if you hear anybody, if you interview anybody that's taken one of my classes, you'll mm-hmm. find it's like stand-up comedy with a slash yeah. of, uh, like some yeah. some teaching as well and some education but it's fun and, and we're there to have fun and that's the that's what I like about instructors the instructors that can actually take a boring subject and turn it into something that's mm-hmm. entertaining my, my big trick for, for instructing infotainment. infotainment my big trick is always just get the attendees talking like making any sort of interaction with them because if they're just sitting there uh, the, you know, they're their mind losing. is going to start to wander. They're going to start checking their phones. Right. You know, they're not really paying attention if they're just sitting and listening. But, you know, if you can get them engaged by saying like, oh, you know, what's your opinion? Oh, what do you think? You know, what would you do in this situation? And you can get them sharing information and, and talking with mm-hmm. you. You know, then they start to pay attention. They start to have fun while they're learning. Yeah. It's such a passion. I find, speaking of engaged, like I'm finding I'm more engaged now with instructing more than I ever have. Mm-hmm. Right. With the, how progressive mentorship's growing. I feel like it's it's taking up a lot more of my time, yeah. Uh, which then also pushes me back from piercing a little bit more, mm-hmm. and it's fine. I feel like I'm comfortable with that. Whereas if you would have asked me that two years ago, yeah, would you be stepping back from piercing? I would have been nervous. I would have mm-hmm. been freaking out and being yeah. like, "No, no, I can't survive. I can't do that." Uh, but it's okay now. I feel like there's that balance that's happening. That's it's okay to say no. I think that's an important thing too to certain yeah. things, right? Because how yeah. many of us take on way too many things on our plate? Like running progressive mentorship, I was like, I can instruct, I can do this, I can work full time, yeah. I can run the shop, I can do it all. work with all the tattoo artists, and I can be married and have a life. Like, there was no way. Yeah. Was, One yeah. thing my dad used to always tell me is, why are you working so hard if you're not enjoying your life? Right. You know, like, what are you working for right. if it's not to have fun and, and enjoy yourself? Right. So, you know, I had the same kind of dynamic. Um you know, I expanded my studio uh, about two years ago, and up to that point, I was working six or seven days a week for like many piercers for do. about fifteen years straight. Yeah, and and now I've I've really stepped back, and it's given me a, a chance to actually have hobbies and and take trips and do things with my life that I, I never really had the opportunity to I've do. I've seen you change over the years so much. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, even just taking on like cooking recently. Yeah, I, I love it. It's just you know I never would have thought that something so simple and like remedial could be so satisfying right you know it's great i just i just love being able to do something and and create it you know like when i was trying to make jewelry or when i was trying to do this and that you know i would get distracted and you know i didn't really have a lot of uh, i feel like we've all done those things i took up uh, like freaking magic the one year well yeah you got duped into that that magic kit but yeah i mean like you with your photography and and all that stuff like you know it looks like it's you know you're being nourished by it you know it is it's therapy you know it's the one thing i feel like you can i can walk away from business brain and you know take photos and be out in nature and just take it all in yeah. and uh it clears the mind it definitely clears the mind and then come back to work more wine yeah I'll definitely have some more wine thank you sir but it's definitely i think everybody has to have that that balance and it's not just all work 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 i feel like when i clear my head after coming out from maybe um you know, some backcountry canoeing or whatnot and doing some photography that my mind is so much more clear that it's more focused and it might turn my brain back on to work mode but at the same time, I feel like I'm more productive. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm a better worker when I'm a happy worker. So mm-hmm. if I'm working just constantly, if I'm just in piercing and I'm dealing with office things and I'm, I'm doing something where, you know, I might be having 
good personal interactions with with clients, but you know, I, I'm not feeling as good as I can feel and I'm not giving those clients that like A plus kind of experience that right. they want. But you know, if I can take some time for myself and make sure that that I'm happy and I'm doing things that are making my life feel fulfilled, uh, I can put a lot more into the the times that I do work with clients and I can make it more of an experience for them. Right. You know, because I it's just it's fatigue, you know. If you can if you can prevent that fatigue and, and keep yourself happy you're going to make everyone around you happy. What's well, that whole piercer burnout thing? I yeah. always heard of that. I remember hearing that. From yeah. Me. Don't you remember that maybe when we were like five years? I remember in, thinking like I could never like, get burnt out. Impossible. I love this. I'll, I'll work sixty hours a week for the rest of my life. Right. The yeah. piercer burnout, and then somebody I, th- I don't know who it was, but they're like, "Yeah, wait till you hit ten years." Yeah. And I was like, "Why? Why is there this ten year mark?" But mm-hmm. then when I look back, it was maybe that's when it was yeah. kind of like burning me out, maybe yeah. a little bit. And I don't want to say burnout because I still love piercing. Don't get me wrong. But I, I won't, I, I'm not, again, not doing it 60 hours a week, you know, and the, the big thing for me, shop too. because I always, I always said, you know, okay, I'm working this much and I'm making this much. My studio is bringing in this much. So if I step back a little bit, I'll obviously be making less and this and that. And I feel like both of our studios have actually blossomed and grown the more that we've stepped back from it it's because so now we're delegating it to other people you have other piercers i have other piercers yep. we have people helping us in the office you know laura does a, a huge amount of work for sure in the office yeah and um it's the people behind the scenes yeah that don't get as much credit as they should exactly they've uh, taken such a workload off of my shoulders yeah. to allow me to live and have these extra yeah, curricular activities yeah. and then come back to a studio like i just went camping for four days and no cell service, nothing, and yeah. came out of the woods to not one text, not one voicemail. Nothing burned down. Nothing. Yeah. I thought maybe my phone was broken. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, it so used to I be such an ordeal right for me to, to step away. <laughs> if I had to go, go, you know, go to go to Europe for a week or something to teach, I would be nervous the whole right. time, thinking like, okay, what's going to happen? When am I going to get that email or that text of like, you know, some sort of emergency? Yeah, but an emergency is I ran out of paper towel. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's something really simple. The, the printer's out of ink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you know now it's it, now it's really simple because like I can I can trust my crew I can trust my staff and and, and they're gonna handle those situations. That's right. It's great. That's great. It's great. And like they, the then they get to grow. You know. So I don't know what it's like with your other piercers, but with my other piercers, Aaron and Evan, like I've I take great personal joy in watching their growth because it reminds yeah. me of all the things that that I did through my career, and it just it's it's really it's like that proud parent kind of moment. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, this is great, like watching you grow as a piercer. One of the hardest things I think I had to deal with was realizing or thinking that if I wasn't piercing, that nobody would come in and get pierced. Yeah. Because my brand of who I am and yeah. I felt as though like I don't thrive. For they're coming yeah. just for me and that was it. And I, I'll, don't get me wrong, like a lot of clients will be like, mm-hmm. oh, you mean Jesse's not there? Yeah. Um, and they're just kind of put off by that. Yeah. And, you know, at the same time, we turn it around and be like, listen, Jesse wouldn't just hire anybody to yeah. come here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this person's great. Um, come and give them a shot. And they do. And everybody, now it's weird stepping back and like people are asking, oh, can, yeah. we, can I get where's, by where's, Daniel? Oh, Jesse's in? Oh, when, when's oh, Daniel it's okay. in this? Yeah, I, I get the same thing. You know, I got really nervous when I went from five or six days a week down to three days a week and then thinking like, oh, you know, Aaron's days are going to be dead. Nobody's going to come in. And, you know, and he has like a, such a strong following right. because he's such a nice and charming guy. And now sometimes people come in and they're like, you know, I, I used to look at people's piercings and I'd be like, oh, I know I did that piercing. Right. Now I look at their piercings and it's really good. And I'm like, oh, who, who did your piercing? And they're That's like, oh, right. Aaron did it. I love it. It's amazing. And I'm like, wow, you know, like I, I don't I don't myself, even know if I could do that that good. I caught myself doing that complimenting how good of a piercing I must have did on this one yeah. person. And she's like, you didn't even pierce me. Yeah. It was like this guest artist that came in. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh my God, it looks so good. Mm-hmm. Like I just pictured it was from our studio, but yeah. I just automatically thought that I thought I did, it would be you, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's so great to have uh, different walks of life coming in. And we learned so much from mm-hmm. them too, just from somebody else stepping into your yeah. studio. Yeah. Just, just as many perspectives as you can get in one studio mm-hmm. is just going to be better for everyone. Yeah. So how do you prevent burnout then? <sighs> that That's, I mean, that's a tough question because there, there are some days where on paper, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong, but I'm just, I'm, I'm stressed and I'm tired and a lot of it's just personal things. But what I always try to do is, you know, I try to create projects in the shop, mm-hmm. you know, so if, if things are kind of like stagnant and, you know, I'm not really super motivated to, to do stuff, then I'll, you know, try to make a, some sort of a push on social media for something that'll get me inspired, you know, gotcha. hey, we want to offer, you know, a, a discount on a certain project or you know a certain piercing or jewelry type or something or we'll redo our jewelry displays or sometimes i'll even just sit down with with one of the other piercers and we'll just talk about stuff you know like what have you done in the last week that you've like just just hearing their enthusiasm and their experience like is is nourishing for me yeah definitely yeah it's uh it is definitely one of the trickier things that we've all had to deal with and i'm sure tons of piercers that are probably listening to this might be experiencing some of that or it's kind of the yeah. opposite of like, I'll never burn out. This will never mm-hmm. be me. Yeah. Uh, but you will. will have a it's hobby. Like, it's like, yeah. And is it, is it just a hobby? Like, I mean, I feel like I'm taking this whole other career right now with the photography thing. Like, I don't even know where that's going to bring me. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, everyone should go out and buy a Harley too, because mm-hmm. I felt like that was, <laughs> that was definitely King of the road. Uh, yeah. That just turns your brain off from everything. But Maybe it's not just hobbies. Maybe it's just uh, stepping back from the one thing that you think you love so much. Maybe if it's, if it's for me right now, I'm getting a lot of enjoyment for just being at the studio mm-hmm. and being like a body at the studio behind yeah. the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never done that before. I've never been the behind the scenes guy. Yeah. And just kind of, you know, I'll walk upstairs and I'll talk to all the tattoo artists. I'll watch over their shoulders mm-hmm. and I'm just hanging out, just being present. Yeah. And uh, my studio seems to love it. My staff seems to love it. They're just like, oh, I've seen you more even though I'm not there? It's kind of the less? opposite for really? me because my, my tattooers really enjoy their space. They don't like you? No, no, no. They, they, they like me to, for the most part. But They're they just don't. When they don't like dad showing right. up and saying like, hey, buddy, you want to mm-hmm. you want to mop your booth real quick? You know, okay. stuff like okay. that, that kind of thing. See, I don't do that. I massage my tattoo artists. Right. You, no. I right, right, right. Yeah. You know, shirtless massages. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, I, I really do like to have that like positive motivation right. for people. So I, I really... With a, with a two-story shop, you know, piercing on the first floor and tattooing on the second floor, I feel like I, I need to kind of create a, a presence on the tattoo floor. So right. I'll make a point to go up there and check out what they're doing. And if, if it's some really awesome piece, you know, I want to talk to them and be like, oh, that's that's awesome. Did, right. you, did you draw that? Or, or was it like client input or something? Like, that's really cool. And, and just like let them know that like, I appreciate them care. and I want to stay involved in it, you know, right. because you like they're they're all amazing artists i love just being around them it's really inspiring it's definitely inspiring and it yeah. you know it, it freaks me out because how do they do it yeah because they go home at the end of the day and they have to draw and then they stay up all night have like, do you ever think them. about what like what we, what we could do if we had like that kind of artistic ability you have more artistic ability than i do because i i remember it from your scarification like it was oh, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. more artistic than technical like Thank like you. mine's just a technical style and I, I look at them tattooing, and I, I can't even imagine how they do that. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. See, I, I think I feel like tattooers get a kind of a bad knock from piercers a lot. You know, right. like they, they call them dirty and all that stuff. But like, there's there's this whole generation of tattooers coming in right now where they're using like disposable tubes. They're doing there's all this and all tattooers that. Tattooers here at the conference, yeah. at a piercing conference. It's super impressive. That. Yeah. Oh, if they only knew how much they can learn at these um, these events for them as well yeah but unfortunately they don't have a, 
an association like this dedicated to just tattooing. Yeah. yeah. So well, that, that's why I'm so impressed More with the seminars that you're doing in, in Canada because you get so many tattooers coming out and they, they really care and they really want to improve their craft and, and their cleanliness and all that stuff. I feel like in the U.S. it would be really difficult to have that same kind of class. For, for whatever reason, I just don't feel like tattooers are as engaged with that side of learning. You know, right. they all want to go to different shops and check out the art side of it. But I don't feel like they're as engaged when it, gotcha. when it comes to the, the cleanliness. Like, not to say that they're dirty because right. a lot of them are like really immaculately clean. Probably because they've never had it offered to them before. Or maybe it's yeah. just never been around. I, I've never seen the kind of class that, that you and FX teach up in Canada. I've never seen its match in, in the States. Right. Well, we'll push for that then. Yeah. To... Yeah. I think I think we could probably pull off one of those seminars in Boston. I easily. think so. Why just Boston? Why still well, yeah. Worldwide. Let's take over the world. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just want more wine. Uh, Are you recording? I just came for some wine. So why don't we'll we'll wrap up this recording and we'll have a little bit more wine and then we'll maybe try to think of some other topics to chat about. Mm -hmm. All right. So more conversation with Jesse and more wine. Clink. We're going to talk about apprenticeships because did, did you have an apprenticeship when you started? Uh, if you call a three-week stint uh, an apprenticeship, okay. I had a mentor yeah. that she was teaching me, yeah. and it turned out that uh, she quit on me, which was interesting, because <laughs> I asked her too many questions. I remember. Really? Yeah, 100%. She She's just like, no, nah, nah, like, I'm done with this. Uh, you obviously think you know it all, yeah. because I would question her on some of her practices. Yeah. So she she didn't like being challenged back. I think it was just kind of like a one way street, mm-hmm. and uh, she didn't like. So she literally sold me all her equipment after three weeks and said, uh, "Good luck in your career of piercing." Wow. And, well, that's kind of getting you know, pushed out of the nest, right? Yeah. I, I, I never I never had an apprenticeship. I I, I learned through a, a lot of trial and error, an emphasis on error. You know, coming to conference really was what really changed everything for me and, and made me a lot more forward thinking. But you know, at at this point in my career. I have, I've trained three separate people and I almost look at the progression of how I train people as even more growth than myself as a piercer right. uh, because I, I've really learned so much in how to teach people and how to work with them and how to inspire them and keep them motivated to, to not just take the knowledge you give them, but to search out knowledge from other people and try to get as many perspectives as possible. Exactly. I like having, uh, I think it, it relates more with one of my tattooers that he started at our studio, but he was being trained by three other tattooers mm-hmm. in that studio to become a, you know, a tattoo artist one yeah. day. It wasn't just one apprenticeship. He was like having the best of three worlds, but like three different inputs. That's hard on somebody too, to have yeah. that many people involved in it but at the same time he's one he's one of my favorite tattooers now yeah he's been through a lot but i think one of the challenging things with apprenticeships uh for myself teaching somebody i've I've tried to i've never had anyone go like follow through a whole apprenticeship with me yet to be honest this whole time and i look at you and i look at efix and i've seen all these great piercers come out of it and i'm like what do you guys have that i don't see see what's happening or maybe i feel like for me it was just It was just dumb luck, lightning in a bottle kind of scenarios because every single person that I've trained just kind of like fell in my lap. I never searched out anyone to train. I never put it out there saying like apprentice wanted. I never really had anybody apply for an apprenticeship. It was just kind of like it's meant to be. It was like this this connection that that worked for me. My my first apprentice, Adam, uh, he was just, you know, a kid in town who was really passionate about piercing and he was doing some stuff. 
at, at home on his own and it wasn't really safe. So I was like, look, look, I really like you. You're a really nice kid. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have a huge amount of experience at the time, but I was like, I'll, I'll show you some things just so that you can work a little bit more safely. It kind of grew into a, a half formed apprenticeship. You know, I, I, in retrospect, I could have done a lot better, but I gave him some foundation. He moved on to another shop and kind of grew from there. And then, you know, with, with each subsequent experience, you know, Aaron was the super weird scenario of he was actually being trained by Adam, my, my original apprentice. And then Adam passed away Mm -hmm. and I had never met Aaron in person. And, uh, it was at Adam's memorial service and his family was like, Oh, you know, you feel really bad for Aaron because you know what's going to happen now, and I kind of tried to step in with that yeah. heroic, like I'll train Aaron and I'll take him under my wing. Yeah, and it became it became this thing to like honor Adam, uh, but then like as I as I grew to to know Aaron, you know, it became this really fulfilling thing for me, not just you know for Adam, but for for Aaron too, because he was just really he was he was really meant for it. You know, he was really intuitive and, and he took to it really well. And after him, Evan just fell in my lap. Well, where's Adam now? Uh, Adam, Adam passed. No, no, not, not uh, Aaron. Aaron. So where's Aaron now? Where's Aaron now? Uh, well, he's in he's in my studio, um, but he actually just put in his notice and he's going to be moving on to, to Soul Tribe in Denver, okay. which, you know, obviously I'm sad to see him go, but it's it's an awesome opportunity for him. So I'm excited to, to see him grow right. and where he's going to go, you know, because I, I feel like he's plateaued in my studio for what he can do with our clientele and, and what he can he can learn from me. And he's going to learn a, a ton from Alicia and, and working with that clientele. Right. And he's, he's going to be really happy there. Evan just fell in my lap because originally his wife worked for me as a counterperson and then she got pregnant and she couldn't work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, you know, my, my husband would love to, to kind of take over. And, you know, I, I didn't really know Evan. He was getting tattooed at my studio and I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll give him a shot because I, I need some help. And he was he was really, really like gifted towards jewelry and he he just picked up everything like right away so he became like my main counterperson and like a jewelry salesperson and that was kind of around the time where I knew I was going to be expanding my studio so I was thinking like you know well, would you want to just learn a little bit more about piercing so that you can be a, a better jewelry salesperson maybe do some jewelry installs and it kind of grew from there and every bit of information and task I put in front of him he just kind of like ate it up and and really impressed me. So I was like, you know, we should really start training you as an apprentice. I think you're going to be fantastic with it. But none of those scenarios were, I want an apprentice. Let me find someone. It was just these, these weird scenarios where the the right person just fell into my lap. Whereas I thought I had that, you know, like I thought these people fell into my lap. And Mm -hmm. and again, I wasn't technically looking, I didn't put a post out or anything like that, but I fell in love with certain people's um, like character and Mm -hmm. their, their dynamic. And I thought, you know, I can't teach, um, I can teach somebody how to pierce. Yeah. I feel like I can, but I can't teach personality. Mm-hmm. I can't teach passion, right? Yeah. So I was looking for those traits as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, my biggest problem is I compare a lot to myself or yeah. my beginning stages of piercing. Don't you remember, like, I remember when I first started piercing, I literally looked at BME so much. Yeah. I looked at everything they had on there. Mm-hmm. I right-clicked and saved almost every single photo really? that was on the website. I yeah. think I have BME's website on my old computer. Nice. The whole thing. Just I saved them thinking they were going to disappear somehow. Yeah. But I, I fell so much in love with it and sought out piercers at that time. Mm-hmm. Like piercers that, you know, like I was looking at Tom Brazza, mm-hmm. uh, Pierre in Montreal. Yeah. And I just sought out these great guys and I drove there. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I brought my portfolio and I'm yep. like, can you critique this? And like now looking back at that, that's never even happened to me 15 mm-hmm. years later. And I thought that was just a normal progression. Um, but 
I think the industry is really different now. You know, you, you never see anybody now. going into a shop holding a physical portfolio. Right. Maybe they'll show you like an Instagram page. Of course, right? And yeah. ask for some critique or something. Yeah. But I find that um, that passion that I had, I feel like I'm just looking for that in somebody else. And nobody's like stepped up to that. And I feel like that's uh, maybe a bad thing for me to be looking. Well, it can be. What what I've learned through my experience of, of training different generations of piercers is that um, you can't just try to project your your experience onto them. You have to kind of look at it as, you know, what kind of person are they? What kind of industry are they are they in now? Uh, and and like with Aaron, I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but, you know, I, I trained him kind of quickly at the start because my original intention wasn't for him to work in my studio. It was to work in Adam's studio. Right. Where in continue where he where he had started his apprenticeship, um, so I, I said like you know we're going to focus on the most popular piercings and I'm going to show you how I perform those piercings now and kind of started at that current level of where I was yeah. without giving him as much foundation about like this is how everybody used to pierce them you know forceps and and things like that and with Evan I tried to make it more of like this is my progression of how I developed my my skills as a body piercer so it was. Let's start with forceps, and then let's work with receiving tubes, and then let's get to freehand and and kind so of is that show your structure. Him. Is that how you're doing it? Basically, I I try to teach him uh, the layers of everything I know about the piercing in kind of the order that I that I learned it or was was taught it. External jewelry. Well, okay, maybe, maybe not maybe not that far. <laughs> There's piercers out there that's never even heard of external. Yeah, maybe that's not such a bad thing. No, no, it's great. But yeah, it's great. But it's funny because he fixed in his apprentice. Mm -hmm. I just remember him telling me this is uh, when I think it was uh, a nostril screw that came in. Yeah, that's a great example. And he he looked at it and he's like, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. Because they've never used it. They were using Neo Metal and just threadless pins. And um, he's like, I don't even know how to get this out or put this in. The funny thing is, is uh, Aaron went out to Soul Tribe in in Denver the first time he did a a guest spot there. And I got a text message from Alicia chewing me out. She's like, your apprentice doesn't know how to bend a nostril screw. And I was like, (laughs) we don't use nostril screws. We use threadless jewelry for everything. So, yeah, that was definitely something like with Evan. When I started training him, I, I tried to think of that perspective of, okay, Yes, we're we're using all this neo metal jewelry now, but this is how I did everything. So I want you to feel comfortable with it because you know you you need to have all that information for for troubleshooting. You know you need to be able to deal with piercings that we didn't perform. You need to be able to do this and do that. And you know if you're only teaching people the most current, up to date, peer reviewed information, they're kind of missing out on all those different. Like the mistakes that you had to make to get to where you are. So, you know, I had to let Evan not necessarily make mistakes, but understand the mistakes that I made. And so he he could learn from them. And you have to trust. You have to put trust in these people, too. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the hardest thing, too, is uh, do you have have trust issues, Ryan, like within your studio or within? Well, I mean, yes and no at at certain points. I mean, obviously, when, when a piercer is newer... And I kind of hand the reins over to them. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, it's like that, the baby bird out Mm -hmm. of the nest kind of thing, you know, it's like you have to let them spread their wings and and fly sometimes, you you know, through the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. Uh, Well, because in my studio, we have the the two piercing rooms that are connected with the statum room. Mm -hmm. So sometimes like I, when, when Evan was learning, basically, uh, I would let him be in, in the room by himself, you know, at a certain point he he would do the, the progression was. He would pierce an inanimate object so he could build the muscle memory for that piercing. And then he would perform the piercing on 
a live model with, with me in the room to observe. And then he would pierce them with me in the studio, but not in the room. So if he needed help, he could, he could call and I could right. come in and help. And then it was, I would review pictures of, of things that he did. So that was the progression of it. But there definitely was a period where I, you know, I was in the next room over just kind of waiting in case he kind of, oh, hey, Ryan, can you come out and give me a hand with this? But yeah, it was one of those those things where I was very nervous with certain piercings. You know, if I saw them as Difficult. complex, advanced, right. something like that, you know, like, oh, you know, do you feel confident? You know, are you, are you sure that you're, you're ready for this? And, you know, is the client's anatomy ideal for you to be practicing this and all that stuff? So, yeah, you would get nervous, but... You know, they would they would really impress me. You know, so I, I started to part, yeah. I started to gain that trust. Right. Yeah, and then I could just kind of. Hand I think it over I would gain them. more trust if the, if let's say the the apprentices would would come to you and say, "Listen, this anatomy is different than what I've ever seen yeah. before." Whereas I've seen more apprentices just attempt stuff mm-hmm. and then fall back on it. Yeah, right? and be like, yeah. "I messed up." But also, I remember when we started, it was the same thing. We oh, had yeah. to mess up all these yeah. things in order to figure it out. I mean, yeah. did we did we kill anybody? No, I, I didn't kill anybody that I know of. No, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we've probably scarred a few people, and uh, we've all done it, right? And I mean, piercing at the end of the day, not everything's going to go perfect. Even nobody, now, nobody is. That's perfect. the thing. I yeah. love that too because everybody that comes to our studio as a guest artist, even yeah. they're intimidated because mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh my god." Like, oh, I'm going to work at Ryan's or Jesse's shop. Like, oh, my God. That's, like, they have this perceived notion that we're perfect piercers. Yeah. I screw up all the time. Not yeah, that, that, that's I don't the want thing. to speak. It's not like screw up all the time. But we do screw up and we're human. It's Yeah, there is no piercer that does not make mistakes. Exactly. My, my favorite thing is when you when you sit down with someone and you're, you have a conversation and it's not necessarily them saying like, you know, oh, I had this problem. But when they say, oh, I had such and such very famous piercer from the internet into my studio and you know oh and they they botched a transfer or this or that or i had to take out this piercing that was embedded that xyz famous piercer did you know it's one of those things where it's almost like schadenfreude where you're like oh my god i'm not the only one who screws that up you know it makes me feel like you know yeah we're all human right I think social media has done that to us though right uh, obviously we're none of us are posting our bad piercings yeah um no you know, if you maybe you're working in a town where there's multiple great piercers, mm-hmm. you'll get to see other each other's work. Yeah. And um, I know there's piercers that mess up. I know my piercings have ended up in other shops mm-hmm. and didn't heal and such. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that, I that's also part all. of professionalism is being able to admit that. You know, exactly. Like if if I have a client who I pierce, like I had one scenario where I I, I don't really pierce cheeks i don't like to pierce cheeks i've done a few sets that people have talked me into and i've I've been like oh these are the things that you want to know about it and maybe not do it because of but uh you know i I pierced this one girl's cheek and she had a lot of problems with it and she was out of town she was in the philly area so i sent her to louise's shop uh louise wasn't there haley took care of it she had to put in some some really long jewelry for it and all that stuff but you know it's one of those things where it's not like i was going to be like Oh, you screwed the, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's absolutely perfect because I did it. You know, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, your piercing's not doing great. Go to this shop. They'll take care of you. And I wasn't embarrassed about it. I let, I let them know. I texted them and I was like, oh, I'm going to be sending a client in who's having a problem. I love when other piercers reach out to me and say, listen, can you take care of my client? Mm -hmm. They're closer to you. Yeah. And uh, it might not be a great piercing, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we're there for one another. Yeah. you know, don't treat the client any different because yeah. they went to somebody else, yeah. right? That's yeah. the other thing. But so, do do you feel like are you apprenticing someone right now? I'm apprenticing someone right now. Um, How did you How did you find them? It's it's tricky, right? Because again, I'm not feeling that that same passion, and I feel like um, it, you know, it's a two way street. Every time I look at 
something that might not be going wrong, I don't look at that person. I look in the mirror first and mm -hmm. be like, okay, what am I doing potentially wrong? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I'm not there as much as I was at one time mm -hmm. too. So there's not that constant uh, contact with yeah. the apprentice, but my other peers are at the studio too, which is capable as well. Mm -hmm. um, he's taking on a lot of that role. Yeah. Uh, and Daniel's been amazing at, at Thrive and he loves it. So I, I'm seeing the growth through Daniel, not... Um, like I'm not getting that contact directly with yeah. my apprentice. Mm -hmm. So it's more or less his apprentice now in a, yeah. in a sense, which is fine because she's learning different things. She's learned a lot from me in the beginning and now learning a lot from Daniel. Well, I feel like it's but, that, that analogy of like, you know, uh, it, it takes a village to raise a child. Exactly. You know, like right. people, people will be better piercers if they're learning from more than mm -hmm. one person. I agree. I just find that the... the the in-shop time, yeah. I find that every apprentice is different, right? I've heard some people that are there, they're like, they're 40 hours a week, some 20 hours a week. Mine's like they're one, one day a week right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's enough to be engaged. I feel as though, let's say, if you only come in one one day a week, yeah. by the time you come in the following week, it's almost like we have to review everything that you did the week before. It's it's repetition. Like, a lot of it is repetition. Right. So and By doing it every, like, multiple times a day or yeah. a week, uh, that's the way to grow. I or, definitely notice a sharp increase uh, when, like, a, as a really good example, Aaron. Aaron was only coming up one day a week. And it's like, you know, how much experience can someone get? You know, I can, I can put out right. the call on Facebook for models, you know, free piercings, discounted piercings, all that. But still, really, he's probably going to be may maybe at best doing two or three piercings on one of those practice days. And, you know, two or three piercings a week, you're, you're not going to get that repetition to, to build muscle memory, to problem solve, to, to figure out different things. You know, as he got more experience, he ended up getting hired in a shop uh, part-time that was kind of higher volume. And, you know, he had the opportunity to do a dozen piercings every day, you know, a few times a week, things like that. And and he, he grew sharply when, right. when he got the opportunity to kind of say, you know, okay, if I'm going to do 10 nostrils today, you know, I'm going to learn from each one and I'm going to try to make each one just a little bit better incrementally. And it's the same thing with Evan, you know, the, the more that he got to do and the more you know confident he got in his own abilities, he got better a lot faster, you know, and you, you have to just kind of you know, give people that, that time for the, for the hands-on learning. And everybody's different for learning and the hands-on time. And yeah. like I've known apprentices that have fast track stuff six months mm -hmm. to a year and they're great piercers yeah. and others that have been doing it for two, three years. You can rush though. You, I, I've seen people like rush and they're, they're missing out on the fundamentals. You know, right. they're just kind of going through the motions. They're not necessarily understanding what those Depends motions on the mean. Shop too, yeah. right? Because there's a yeah. lot of shops that are just like, get them in, get them out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they can be doing 20 to 40 piercings yeah. of freaking day yeah which okay. i can I couldn't imagine Ew. working under that pressure yeah as a as an apprentice even now it's, it's hard to do mm -hmm. you know uh, so i like that kind of slower pace obviously to learn more but everybody learns differently and yeah. i think i just have to realize that again looking in the mirror and realizing that not everyone's we're not building uh robots we're not building somebody that's going to be a splitting like a splitting yeah. image of myself um and realizing that there's multiple ways to get to point b yeah. right um, it might not be the same technique that I do. Mm -hmm. They might pick up their own technique. And, uh, but there is some fundamentals, like you said, that they should know. And hopefully it goes well. I, I really hope it does. Yeah. For me too, I, I, also, I also try to encourage them to go out and shadow right. so they, they can see what, what, what's going on in other studios Definitely. and how other people are working and all that. Well, I, I don't know what your opinion is, but one of my big opinions is not everybody is going to feel comfortable going through the same motions. So I try to say, learn as many different techniques as possible and just see which one feels most comfortable for you. Because, you know, you might not 
end up piercing the same way that I pierce, you know? And it's like, if you just try to mimic the way that I pierce, it might not give you the, the right result. It's hard to take on an apprentice. I th- like anybody that's listening to this and thinking about bringing on an apprentice, uh, just know that you're getting into something that's might be over your head. Yeah. And it's not, I think a lot of people get into it for the wrong reason. They're like, oh, it'll take some of my workload off and mm-hmm. maybe I don't have to like clean my tools and sterilize my, su- my stuff. And Yeah, try not to, to go into that. it with like a, a selfish intent. Right. You know, you're not just trying to take on someone that will, yeah, do you half where your half your work for you. You know, you're, you're really trying to create the next generation of professionals. Exactly, because I know apprentices that have apprentices. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's, yeah. More in the tattoo field that I'm seeing that more in, yeah. but it's definitely in the piercing side too. There's, I know there's certain piercers um, that have multiple apprentices too, as in not just one. They'll like try to be apprenticing three different piercers. Yeah, at the I same couldn't time. do that. I could never do that. Not at all. Maybe if it was one of those things where it was like you know you can you can start people in an apprenticeship program and then and vote them off the island. Cut some. Yeah, you know <laughs> you don't get a rose this week. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Piercer yeah. edition of the match. Sounds that's very uh, romantic. So we're going to talk a little bit more with uh, Jesse Villamare from Thrive Studios in Cambridge. How are you feeling, Jesse? I'm feeling good. This wine is going down nice. You got the, yeah. the wine going yeah. on? Uh, I thought that redness in my face was from the sun, the Las Vegas sun, but no. I, no, no, no. I think oh, it's you're flush. Wine. Oh, it's... Dude, I'm a lightweight. I, I can only You're drink. literally a lightweight. Look at how much weight you've lost. I lost some weight, you know. You lost the weight and I found the weight. You're huggable. I'm huggable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you son of a... Cheers. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.